Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. We're back on, on the show finally. Danny, it's good to see you. Man, we're back. Great to see you. Great to be seen. It's a gloomy Charlotte winter day, but the future is bright for Charlotte FC, and I'm so pumped uh, to be back on this mic with you and, and talking about the club that we love and the community that we love and the sport that we love and the city that we love. And, you know, it's a... Uh, there's a... There's a, just to throw the elephant in the room right out there, there's a reason we have not recorded for a little while. Uh, and it's it's obvious. We've, we've lost one of our own. We, we lost one of our own in a tragic accident. And uh, the season has been dedicated by the club uh, to the memory of Anton Walks and the, the example that he set of being a man and how to live in this world. And we're going to try to do the same thing on this show. We certainly are. I mean, this, this episode is in remembrance of, of Anton Walks, and I think... We'll, we'll dedicate all of our content this season to uh, somebody who was gone way too early. And it's it's still truly unfathomable to think about the fact that the club went down to Miami to practice and they came back without one of the guys. <laughs> I, I still have a hard time wrapping my mind around that, be, uh, around that and what it must have been like on that flight home for the players, knowing that somebody was left behind and would never join back up with the team. I, I can't imagine. And I'm, I'm just so proud of the way the, the club handled the situation. I'm so proud of the way the organization honored Anton. I thought the celebration of life was, was unbelievably appropriate and, and right on tone. And, you know, I, I think that there is a, a healing process that has been ongoing over the last three weeks. And with Charlotte FC's return to the pitch yesterday, Danny Brams, I felt like it, it, would, it would be a good time for us to yeah. start that healing process on this show as well. Yeah, I mean, ever forward, and that's every uh, person on the team has commented, that's what Anton would want, was us to move forward in joy and love and the spirit of, of being great. And, like, I think... One thing I, I, I contemplated on after after this tragedy happened as we all started to process it was just how much we almost took Anton for granted. Uh, what a, an example he set. You think about the accountability of jumping on social media and saying, we lost this match today because I sucked and things like, and I'm going to be better. And then he was better. And just the leadership, the fact that he wore captain's armband for this club at one point. Yep. And... Uh, just uh, an unfathomable loss and uh, what we can do because you cannot change what's happened in life and what we can do is honor and learn and move forward and that's what we're going to do this season as a club uh, supporters players administrators podcasters and uh, excited about what's coming up and, and sad that Anton is not going to be a part of this great squad that we put together to uh, to go out there and, and kick some ass and, and show Major League Soccer what Charlotte Soccer is all about. So as we continue this project, as the club continues its project as well, and as the, the fan base and all the great supporters groups out there in the royal family can continue their process heading into to year two of the franchise, you can you can certainly guarantee that Anton will be on a lot of people's minds uh, over the next six months, over the next 12 months, really. And, and, and truthfully, for the remainder of this club's history. Right, right, exactly. For the rest of, of Charlotte FC's like I, he's ring of honor for me. Like 
we need it. We've never had a Ring of Honor. We're such a young club. We need to create a Ring of Honor immediately and put Anton in it. You know, that that's where it goes. And and uh, if you there was a supporter social for uh, folks who have uh, season tickets in the supporter section uh, last week, and they unveiled some stuff they're going to be doing for Anton in terms of post game scene traditions and. There's a new song uh, that's going to be dedicated to Anton. Details of that will be coming out to the wider Charlotte FC audience at some point. It's not like it's a secret or whatever, but it's just like it's actually a pretty complicated thing that we're, you'll you'll do better to find out in a little while when this happens. But start start learning some Italian and uh, bone up on your Dean Martin if if you will, <laughs> because there's a uh, there's a new post game singing tradition that they announced is going to be coming to Charlotte FC matches and things like that. So Anton is going to be everywhere and. Uh, Hopefully, a lot of those songs are going to be sung after big wins because the, the, as we get back to sort of the, you know, the business at hand and, and the, the, the actual moving forward that we're talking about, the squad looks good. The squad looks ready to build on the successes of late last season. The additions are strong, and I'm super excited about what's in store for Charlotte FC. You know, to, if, I'm too, if I'm too cynical about that, I apologize. But. I, I want you to think about it this way, and I want the supporters and everybody that listens to this show we appreciate you listening to the show it's great to have you back here today on the podcast it's less than three weeks until match week one yeah just think about it that way at the fortress hosting new england a team that we love to play because we are able to beat them you know so we made them look bad once last year and we can do it again so it's it's here there, there's no doubt about it that the season is here and the club is not here though the club is is out in California in the Coachella Valley. Uh, first preseason game. It, it's a it's a Thursday afternoon. Was was on Wednesday. We watched it yesterday. Well, at least we watched uh, some highlights that were posted yeah. on social media. Yeah, yeah. We we really didn't get a chance to to see the game. It'd be the, nice the, to the new Apple deal. They couldn't rig up some uh, preseason streams. That's that's too bad, unfortunately. Uh, looked like there was a decent crowd out there for yeah. uh, for a preseason game. Oh, yeah. It'd be fun to do. Well, it is an official tournament. It's it's the Coachella Valley Invitational. It's not. It's not like the two clubs arranged like some random friendly scrimmage behind closed doors. This is an actual thing that you can buy tickets and go attend. So, in my opinion, there should be a stream. I think a lot of Charlotte FC fans feel the same way. If you saw the social media outcry, why isn't this being streamed? Where can we watch? The the thirst and the hunger for Charlotte FC is so real. Like we we, we want to see our boys back in action, and uh, it's it's too bad that we had to live off the internet highlights. At least we got the internet highlights. I don't want to be in the business of telling what, uh, telling Joe LeBlue what he should do with his club, but I think like in the future when you're thinking about preseason tournaments, I think that you should consider are these games going to be streamed online and how close is it to Charlotte? Right. And I think the Coachella tournament, while the competition looks good and it makes sense to get all the guys together, for a preseason tournament to, to work on the kinks and get this, this squad right before that match week one game on Saturday night at, at the Fortress. But for the supporters, it sucks. Right, we're left out in the cold here. Yep. We're, we're in cold, rainy Charlotte, and the boys are out there in the, uh, the California valleys uh, under the sunshine. But next weekend... Right. Thank God. On for, Saturday. Yeah. So, so last preseason, last year, we were in the Carolinas Challenge Cup, which is played in Charleston, and I got to go to a match down there. This year, we don't play in that cup, which is actually happening right now, but we are going to Charleston anyway for uh, a match, and we will be there. The, the boys are back. Your, your Charlotte Soccer Show, your humble correspondents will be in attendance. 
We've already talked to a few of the TFOs out there about meetup plans. The, the club announced a official supporters party at 2.30 in the afternoon down in Charleston that we will be attending. Great. So uh, show up, send us a message if you haven't already. We'd love to meet up. We'd love to meet people who listen to the show and find out what they like about it and what they think we can do better and all that stuff and, and talk about the club and talk about the players and the results of the team and the traditions. And we want to meet as many new friends as possible down there. And I just feel the need to call this out call as we, call it out. we we get down there Do it. and we're going to play Charleston Battery oh, for the second time. Uh, and yeah, they, just for what it's worth. They fucking beat us last yeah, year. They did win the match yeah, last year. Yeah. Well, no, we didn't score a goal in that match yeah. last year. So it would be nice to go down there this year and just absolutely take them to task and, right. and win 3-0 right. against Charleston Battery at their place. It's a local derby. I'm considering a rivalry game. And yeah, that's, that's why we're going to the game. Right. And, and, and we're going to enjoy it. So I think ultimately there's two things happening here. The Coachella Valley Tournament, brutal for the supporters. Next Saturday's matchup, great for the supporters. We need more of next weekend happening, <laughs> right. not this tournament Let's out in California. Let's make the full preseason, like the second half of this preseason, will be in a lot better shape as supporters, for sure. Right. So we're, we're going to talk about uh, what we saw yesterday on the pitch. By the way, Enzo Capetti, official debut the for Prince, Charlotte FC. The Prince that was promised. On the pitch yesterday against D.C. United. It's huge. We're going to tell you why it's so important that he's he's playing in these matches right now compared to last, last year when yeah. a lot of guys at this point in the year were still not suited up and ready to play for Charlotte FC. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, when you compare the roster last year, you know, I, I'm thinking back to some of the stuff we, we would say about the, the roster that last year about how excited we were to see Alan Franco and T.T. Ortiz and Christian <laughs> yeah. McCoon and Jordi Alcivar, and it's like, it's almost like we were fooling ourselves at that point. You know, it's like, we just wanted to be excited about whoever was in the house, and, but once we saw those guys actually in action, it was almost a little self-delusional to, like, keep talking about how we loved them, because, let's be honest, a lot of, there's a reason those guys are all gone from the team and not here anymore. But, like, hopefully not repeating uh, sad history here when we say, like, I'm, like, so excited about the talent. We, like, our talent level just seems, like, so much higher. Like, we're almost – I think we're approaching close to the one-year anniversary of uh, Miguel Angel Ramirez's uh, Estamos Jodido, we're screwed quote here. But, which, by the way, uh, we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, which is going to come up again in a second. But uh, there's no way anyone could – you know, even if you were joking around, you couldn't say that now because the talent assemblage that we've got here – uh, for the crown is just like so it's so much mightier than it was this time a year ago and I feel like it's not just I feel like last year we were kind of maybe you know put lipstick on a pig a little bit and I think we did a pretty good job of it this year we're just giving a little little shine on an apple because they, it's it's shining enough on its own for sure the worst screwed commentary we're going to talk about that because Carol Swiderski's interview on MLS season pass oh. on Apple Plus, what a package! It's it's out. The interview's there. It was one of the most revealing interviews I've seen thus far. It was done at MLS Media Days. And there was one poignant question asked by Andrew Weeby, uh, MLSsoccer.com writer. He's a longtime head MLS senior writer for MLS. Covered uh, his, I mean, his column every week. He does like a power ranking, sort of like top stories of the weekend column. It's a must read for sure. You know, maybe, he is a big dork, but that's fine. Maybe ignorance is bliss. Right, is nice sometimes because the balls on that guy to ask that question right. to Carol Sadursky in that asking, interview. He was asking questions that no local reporter that's had a chance to sit down with Carol has ever had the balls to ask for sure. So I, which. I I wish we had gotten that chance because we would have asked him. But, you know. I've got nothing but respect for that interview. We're going to talk about that. Uh, and I've got a special question based on exactly what you're talking about now. It's something that I've been thinking about. 
and you've heard me talk about the depth of this squad on the podcast before. Now let's do a little exercise. How many players on this squad would you put into a starting lineup? Uh, I think it's it's a pretty substantial number because if we take our set starting 11, let's say goalkeeper, you know, obviously there's going to be a goalkeeper, so let's call him Sisniega for now. He played 75 minutes in the, in the first friendly against DC. So we'll say Sisniega. I would start, I would, and I would start, I feel comfortable starting Sisniega even if Polino was healthy. I'm going to stop you there. You're going to give your goalkeeper, right? And I want the yeah. audience to think about it. I'm going to get back to you. So I'm going to okay. give you some time to think about it. Okay. I want the audience to think about it as gotcha. well. Right. How many of these guys would you feel comfortable oh, okay. starting? It's a big number for me. On February 25th against New England Revolution, right? Is, you know, we, we talk about um, the undroppables, right? Yeah. We talk about players that you can't drop out of an 11. Well, when you have 16 or 17 undroppables, that is very interesting. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so do yourself a favor. Go through this exercise. Think about it. How many players on this squad do you feel comfortable starting? We're going to answer your questions. Our tremendous friends of the show, thank you so much for dropping in again on Twitter, at For the Crown Baby. You can find us there. What a crew. You're, you're drinking what looks like to be a, a crisp. It's beer. A crisp, it's a daytime beer, yeah. We're here at People's Market, by the way. We forgot to mention that off the top. This is our second time recording at People's. We loved it so much the first time we had to come back. Great vibe in here. Just a lot of people out here doing some work. You know, I see a lot of laptops posted up around. I see business lunches happening and loving life. Uh, I'm drinking a Devil's Logic. Devil's Logic Grosch. Nice. Uh, a classic. They, they had the... the uh, they said they had the Pilsner on tap, and I ordered the Pilsner, and they go, actually, we don't have the Pilsner, and we got a Grosch. And I was like, I'll take a Grosch, why not? So, uh, good daytime beer, like I said, we're recording this on a gloomy Thursday. Uh, crisp, does it taste good? Day. Oh, it's crisp. It's very crisp, for sure. Devil's Logic, I think, was like, you know, a diamond in the rough for me this past year on our... Discovery? Our Tour de Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, our beer Tour de Charlotte. Yeah. And I thought Devil's Logic, like, you know, we never did our Beers of the Season episode. The, the famous you know, the beers of the season were the was the beers we drank along the way. You know? <laughs> exactly. All the beers were the beers of the season. That was, but, that was the, the trick. But when I'm, when I'm thinking about you know we do, we've done over 60 episodes of this podcast, a lot of those on location. Yeah. So it's really hard to pick out certain moments, but the beer at, at Devil's Logic is, right. is absolutely the phenomenal. nature of how we record and, and uh, the, the brain fog increases as the episode goes <laughs> along for sure. But uh, shout out, yeah, 60 episodes is wild, by the way. I mean, Milestones are arbitrary numbers, as a friend of mine likes to say, so it doesn't really matter. But thanks for anyone who's, who's rid with us from the very beginning or who just jumped on, because we'll probably do 60 more this year pretty easily. First big question for you is you saw the guys on the pitch yesterday. You, you saw the result. 3-2, mm-hmm. Charlotte FC against D.C. United. It was a comeback victory. Charlotte FC gave up the first goal. I am firmly in the camp of... I don't care if they lost 3-0. Right. I don't care if they won 10-0. These results don't matter. It's, it's about other things. But specifically, I wanted to ask what your biggest takeaway was from just seeing the club on the pitch together for the first time this season. I don't care if we lost 3-0. However, I'm happy we won 3-2. A, w- a win is a win. I'll always <laughs> take a W, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, if we had lost, I would explain it away, for real. But. Yeah. The, uh, the biggest takeaway, from, I got one takeaway, to be honest. There's only one moment on the pitch, on the football-wise. Yeah. You take, uh, you know, what are the real priorities are chemistry, fitness, and health, right? Yes, yes. But if you're taking uh, something on the pitch that actually mattered and might translate because 
again, the goal the goals we gave up were stupid. They're just like communication issues with the back line trying to press too high on a goal kick. The uh, the, the one moment that mattered was Karol Swiderski's free kick. Because that's something that that's a situation that's gonna happen in a real match, is there's gonna be a foul at the top of the box, someone's gonna have to step up and put a foot on it. And Swiderski's able ability to like curl the ball around a wall and stick it in the net, that that's the only like like I said, that's the only thing that felt like a, a real soccer match, right? Is is like is like something that could happen in the regular season. You're, you're, uh, we gave up a goal off of a goal kick where like the DC keeper kicked it over our backline's heads, and Christian Benteke, the DC striker, like who's a you know got Premier League DNA, ran onto it and finished past Pablo. That's never going to happen in real life. When we get to the regular season, trust me, the backline's not going to have a goal kick go over their heads. That that I have full confidence in that. It, ha it happens three minutes into your first preseason match uh, friendly of the year. But like I keep saying, like the a free kick. A foul at the top of the box, a big moment in a tie game at the time. It was 2-2 at that time. And Carroll, who, who didn't play the first half, subbed in at halftime to play in the second half, steps up with that vicious left foot that we've seen. We got flashes of last year, and we knew we knew it's dangerous, but we didn't really see like super you know, bountiful amount of goals come from it. I think we're going to see even more, and that free kick really signified that to me. Love to see Carroll connecting with the back of the net. That's what this is all about. He's a designated player for a reason. And Team captain? He's, for me, if I had to choose somebody on the squad to wear the band, it's 100%. He mentioned him. it in the interview you said uh, uh, dropped earlier. Like he, he said at the end of the interview, yeah, last year was great. I got to be the captain, and I really enjoyed that. Yes. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of milestones happening for Carroll Swiderski and... I don't think you send him to Apple headquarters to do all of that media work unless you already have a feeling that he's going to be your captain. Great call. So I would like to see it happen. Give Carol the armband. Let's see it happen. So I do agree with you that, you know, on the field, the free kick takeaway, it just shows that he's, his skill is there. Right. He's ready to go. We're, we're three weeks away from the first match of the season. And... He's ready to put on a, a top-class performance, right? right? Here's, here's my issue, though, with, with yesterday's match. Charlotte FC's been the first to concede in five of their last seven matches. That's not good enough for me. You're, I'm so sick of this team giving up goals in the first five minutes. That's true. I'm tired 100%, of it. 100%, yeah. I'm just tired of it. Our, our first five, 15, five to 15 range is, is pretty poor. I agree with that. So... We if, need to lock that down. If I'm Christian Latanzio and I'm thinking about how do I improve this club and, and how do I drill these players to become a better unit together, you got to deal with that first five minutes. And the fact that Christian Bateke was on the pitch for two, three minutes and, and scored a goal, that's not good enough for me. Yeah, I'm, and what uh, Caleb Adams, who's the in-house team reporter who, who covered the match and wrote a little write-up afterwards, he, he stressed that like the, the whole exercise of this preseason match was to, to get the pressing going. And so I'm sure like everyone in their mindset was like, press, press, press from the, from the opening kickoff. And then they like pressed too hard on a, on a goal kick three minutes in and the ball went over their heads. You know, it, just, it was kind of a fluky goal that I just really don't think is going to 
that kind of goal is not going to happen in a regular season matchup. Yeah. Just 100 convinced. Yeah, totally. I mean, However, my, just like a, just like stands. you know, just like a fluky goal that could happen from mid the midway point on the most important match of the year. <laughs> right? Just these fluky goals, they Probably tend to happen. Keepers head, yeah, yeah. But no, your point is taken for sure. We definitely need to shore up, tighten up, lock down, clamp down our first 15 minutes. But. And maybe you're right. Maybe the more I think about it, maybe I'm actually I don't even have an objection to what you're saying because like in a pre maybe it should matter most in the preseason. Like the, yeah. as soon as we got back on the pitch, three minutes in we were conceding a goal. I don't know. I don't love it. I don't love that. So the other takeaway for me is just the fact that Enzo Capetti's on the pitch, right? Right. I think you have to compare this to our other designated players. You have to compare it to. Karol Swiderski took time to acclimate, came over from Poland, mm -hmm. wasn't injected right into the squad, didn't play a lot of preseason games last year. Right. You look at Camille Uzviak, came in late in yeah. the January window, didn't have a chance to get up to speed and do any really preseason work with the club. Right. This is the total opposite of that. Right. Enzo Competti is signed, sealed, delivered. Right. He's yours, Danny Bramps. <laughs> he is mine. I'll, I will take him for sure. And and the it speaks a lot that he made it a point. He didn't have to go to the Anton Walk Celebration of Life ceremony, but he, he, he had just gotten to town literally hours before it started. And he, he could have said, you know, go to my hotel, chill, take a nap. I just took a long flight from Argentina. No. He's like, I want to be with my new teammates who are struggling in a moment of just intense pain and this absolutely freakish, horrible tragedy that befell these guys. Like, there's no... He be, he, he would have been a fool... Even though he could have like gotten away with skipping it, he would have been a fool to do so, and it showed that he's not a fool. He's very savvy in knowing that if he's going to incorporate in this team, he has to be with them at their lowest moments. And, like, to join a new team and, and immediately be at a moment so low that goes even beyond the pitch, that's going to go a long way. I mean, I mean, it just really is. And it's, it's not... The, this whole blending of, like, you know... A game versus real-world tragedy is kind of difficult for me to navigate. I, I will admit, even as I talk about it, I, I really want to avoid coming off sounding cynical. But like, I'm I'm damn proud of Enzo Capetti for going to that ceremony, and I think it, it, it's going to show like, you know, he wants to be part of this team. It, it shows a commitment to like wanting to create something and embracing, you know, this new challenge that he's took on for himself in his own career. So like, I just think like Capetti looks good. Uh, Swiderski is more incorporated than ever and, and wants to be the captain. We have depth at every freaking position with Westwood coming in at the, in the midfield. Except a little bit hurting depth in center back now, I will have to say. Just unfortunately, the unfortunate reality is that Carujo's not going to be ready to start the season. Oh. So we're really dealing with like Melanda and, and Sobosinski in this point. It's a good point about the center back position. Yeah. And you mentioned about Carujo not being ready to start the season. And, and, and I did want to get your take on some of the comments from the gaffer, oh, Christian Latanzio, this week. Uh, I, I thought that his press conference this week was, was, was really good. I thought that like, he spoke on a lot of topics, and I think mm -hmm. that he's growing into himself as like a voice of the club, if oh, that makes sure. sense. Remember at the beginning we talked about how you know, Latanzio seems like he's got it on the pitch. Right. But... He's really good talking to players, but not talking to the, the supporters. Right. And now he's, he's, he's the, me, the most recent messages he's given supporters have really delivered. The, the only issue that I had with this press conference was that he said about Guzman Carujo, he said, you know, he doesn't have a time frame for Carujo's return, but 
it's going to be earlier than expected. <laughs> right. So, so, like, so, so that sounds like a time frame to me. It's like, what is <laughs> yeah, the expectation yeah, yeah. here? Yeah, so expectation like he, is a time frame, Christian. Come yeah, on, brother. Yeah, so yeah. I just feel like he's talking out both sides of his mouth right now. Sure. And I think the, the fan base and um, everybody around the club needs to understand whether Guzman Carujo is going to be available for the first match of the season against New England, sooner gonna, rather than later. I'm going to hope it's not an April Fool's joke, but I, I will say April April is when Guzman finally returns to this club, okay. I think. I, okay. I think. I think it's going to take that. Well, we start play on February 25th. And I think it's going to take that whole first first month. I think he's going to miss that whole first month in, in late February and March, and he'll he'll rejoin the club in April. That's going to be my prediction based on normal recovery from the injury he suffered, but knowing that he's a beast and that he's going to work a little bit harder. And with Latonz was saying earlier than expected, I just April early April. Who's our let's, who's our first match in April? I'm looking that up. Yeah, right while now. you look that up, there's a, there's a few other things that, honestly, I thought he said that w- was interesting. And it's at Toronto FC, at Salt Lake. Right. So, two away matches to start April. We could use them in those two matches. For sure. Could, yeah. Yeah, we definitely use them against Toronto FC. Um, they, they're formidable. They, they've won the most, the teams that's improved themselves the most over the last three months for sure. Speaking of press conferences, and this is just an aside, Scott Fitter, the Panthers general manager yesterday, Who? was asked about the playing surface sure. at Bank of America for, Stadium. Almost on my mind as well. And he made sure that he let everybody know that there's data that supports oh, there's data. turf. Actually, oh, we got some data. We got a little data in the house. Good job, Scott. You've you paid for a study that lied uh, to you about the safety of artificial turf. Good job. So, speaking of press conferences, I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> you can get data that says anything in this world. Trust me. <laughs> uh, I, I, I assure you there's plenty of data uh, in the other direction as well. So a couple of the things that Latanzio said in the in the press conference that, that I thought was interesting. Obviously, you mentioned Ashley Westwood. Haven't talked a lot about him today because uh, he's still in England. Right. Uh, he's getting his visa sorted. That's pretty much done. I saw that uh, he posted, I think today it was, or, or yesterday, midweek. He just he was in a pickleball match with Ashley Barnes and a couple oh, other guys. Just playing a little pickleball. And, and they posted that this is our last game. That's, t- that's and then tough they, on the they, ankles. And, yeah. they've gotta come out, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they've got to come out for uh, a U.S. tour this summer. So um, he's fit. He's having fun with his friends. It seems like the visa situation is sorted, and he'll be back here with the squad soon. Whether he gets out to California or not, I am not sure, but I do expect him to see him, him in Charleston. I definitely expect to see him in Charleston. I'd be concerned if he's not ready by Charleston. Yes. Let's say that. The other, so we can have a, another couple updates. Uh, Latanzio says that Kalina, you know, he is uh, recovering from, from the back surgery, and he's moving along quite nicely. It might be a separate episode, or I don't know if you want to get into it right now, but like... You know, you're not supposed to lose your job to an injury, but I can certainly see foresee a world. Uh, there's there's a universe that exists where Pablo locks down this job and just keeps it even after Kalina comes back. It, it's great to have depth at that position. There's going to be a ton of run of matches this year. It's going to be just uh, fast and furious. So I, I expect them both to play. And, and even if Kalina comes back and Pablo's playing great, I think there'll still be matches that Kalina could get into and we could see ourselves using both keepers. George Marks is the other one. I think a lot of people want to think and trick themselves into thinking this is an actual competition, but we watched what played out last season. Yeah. We saw this already. Yeah. Cisneaga was the number two. Right. It's going to take a lot for George Marks 
to to become so. the number it, two over somebody who's already established himself as what, that. Yeah. What do you uh, What do you value most in a goalkeeper? First off, we got to all apologies, Jess Charman. All goalkeepers are crazy. She knows. I've joked with her about this before. Like, yeah. Goalkeeper, if you're a goalkeeper, you're, you're a psychopath on one level, no matter what. It's just That's what it takes to play the position. But, like, so what? what is a manager really relying on? What do they really want when it comes to goalkeepers? Experience. And why is it so tough for, like, young goalkeepers to get insides, not just for Charlotte, but for, like, soccer clubs around the world? Why do they all have, you know, 30-year-old goalkeepers? It's because experience veteranship like that's the kind of stuff that pays off in a goalkeeper it's really really tough for like a super young goalkeeper there's there's only one Gianluigi Donnarumma you know as a 21 year old starting one of the biggest clubs in the world it doesn't happen and I, I don't see it happening for George Marks I know we've got some TIFOs out there that are Marks high for sure that his ties to Clemson and being a Carolina kid uh, and just being such a great kid he's a hard worker he's really nice he's a decent human being like there's no reason not to love George Marks, but I agree with you. It's going to be really hard for him to beat out Pablo for the spot. The last quote that I just absolutely loved, by the way, this guy, and I'll give credit to the media for continuing to ask about him, but Adam Armour continues to be brought up in these press conferences. And to me, that's a sign. That, that, that's a sign that there's a diamond in the rough here, and people want to figure out you know, once in future king, what's going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Latanzio says that they're monitoring his workload. Remember, coming off of a knee injury as well. And he sees Armour as more of an attacking player. He said that in the past. But specifically this week in the press conference, he talked about, quote, I think he has a special talent to score goals. Right. Doesn't sound like a left back. I think the narrative is starting to change about Adam Armour. I mean, here's what I'm saying, right? is that I've identified this guy as one of Charlotte FC's best prospects, right? From day one. And all of a sudden, people are starting to notice him to the point where he's not just like a left-back young project. He's becoming someone that wants to go forward, wants to contribute in the area, and make an impact in the final third. So whether it's a wing-back position, whether it's a central midfield position out on the wing... Like, I, I think ultimately what I'm trying to say here is that Adam Armour might be able to play midfield as well. Yeah, I think so. And we have depth, like, what's easier? I think it'll be easier for him to crack the lineup as a left back, but I agree that his more natural position is his left wing, if that makes sense. Because like, you've got a bunch of left wings, unfortunately, that makes it harder for him, and we don't have any left backs. So that's why I'm like, well, why does he necessarily need to move from left back? But Hear me out here. I've pushed against this for a very, very long time about the idea of three at the back, that Latanzio won't play that way, that he's never shown his willingness Let's to play go. that way. Bring it. Bring I'm, I'm starting to think... this conversation <laughs> in my veins, man. I'm starting to think that this setup might be possible. I don't think it's not... Just so you know, it's not going to be possible on February 25th. They will come back. They will come out with four in the back on February 25th. But as the evolution of this season happens, right, as the team continues to grow... As players become healthy, I could see a situation where Adam Armour is playing left wing back, and there's three at the back with Guzman Carujo, with Melanda, and with Sobosinski. You're speaking my language, Sobocop. I love it. And and one one thing that could move us in that direction is if Sobo plays really well here for this first few weeks while we're still waiting for Guzman to come back, obviously. 
uh, because if he if he plays so well that it's tough to displace him from the lineup, they may have to think about it. I love it. Welcome to the dark side, you know. Welcome to the jungle. Three <laughs> in the back. Let's go. I've been I've been here for a while. You I know, know. Like, like you you only adopted the darkness. I was born in it, as far as that goes. <laughs> like like uh, I'm a big proponent of three in the back. I think it's a really nice attacking style. I always play th- a three five one two in my FIFA <laughs> FIFA formation nice. on my ultimate team. Nice. Like I just I just, I just like a three in the back because I think the guys cover for each other a little bit more. And if you have a bulldog like Camille Yusviak or just a just a all-around talent uh, jack-in-the-box like Adam Armour or you know like even Shinyashiki will battle hard on the wing to, and get back and do. The, I don't see Shinyashiki as a wing back. You know, I, you, you, you see him as a striker. I'm sure. Oh, like I, I see him there. central. Yeah. Like I, I, UNCL for sure. I I also see Nathan Byrne as a possible right wing player, a wing back on yeah, the right exactly. side. Yeah, exactly. That's who would actually really be there. Good point. Yeah, you know, be, so yeah, Byrne's locked in. So like. There, I can't see anyone surpassing Burn for, for that spot. So yeah, I, I like it. Let's go. And then we have our, you know, especially when you're when you used to have, when you have that Bronico Jones double pivot anyway, they sort of like sit in front of your back three and you really have like a really like a really tight five man defense. I don't know. I just I just really like it. That's my favorite tactic. I know Christian Latonzio has not employed it. I know you've spoken out against it, and I'm glad that. You know, you'd be a little more open-minded to the three, three, three at the back in year two. I, well, I, it feels good. Well, when you tell me that Adam Armour's feeling good, you like him, his attacking style, and that he's yeah. someone that likes to contribute to goal scoring, then I, yeah. I, I don't want him in uh, the left back position in the back four. That that doesn't suit someone with that skill set. You need to kind of move him forward a little bit. Let's go. So, so ultimately, we'll 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 see that at some point this season. I think. Up what you're e- even if it's out of necessity, injuries happen. Mm-hmm. You need to have a formation change. There's a, there's a poor run of form. You want to spark some motivation into the squad, change things up a little bit. I think that option's there, and I would be very, very disappointed if Matanzio and his staff are not dr- drilling it and, and trying to think yeah, about it. At least have it in the, in the, uh, the toolkit to yes. bust out when needed. Exactly right. So we're going we're gonna to get into uh, MLS on Apple Plus, MLS Season Pass. Everybody is... Um, thrilled about right what they've seen so far. We're, we're going to get into that. Talk about the club profiles there. Mentioned Joe LeBlue earlier. He voiced. I think he did. Doesn't say it, but he's the voice. If if you watch the club profile on MLS Season Pass, which by the way, like, there's, it looks to me, and this is really smart, that the the actual live games are MLS Season Pass, but the other content is available for people that have Apple Plus. Yes. Because yeah. they're two different things. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah, but it's still all grouped together like under the Charlotte FC. So chat. like you can watch yeah. the Charlotte FC Club profile. You should be able to, yes. With if you have Apple Plus. Like, yeah, it might be wrong. But you that, can't but watch the so. games. Right. I have Apple Plus, so that's why the the, least, the distinction is kind of blurry yeah. for me, which by the way, get Apple Plus. Severance, what a fucking show. Oh my god. <laughs> Ben, ben, ben Bender, Jalen Lindsay, Galaxy Quest, Na- Nathan Byrne, they're all featured on Apple Plus this week. Make sure you check that out. The player profiles were cool. I learned that Ben Bender loves fishing. I did not know that before. He's, in his free time, he loves to just go fishing, but he hasn't found a spot around Charlotte to go fishing at. So if you're a local angler and you want to be friends with a Charlotte FC player, there, you, there you go. Find a fishing hole and invite them. We're going to answer your question. Your tremendous friends of the show, Nick Youngblood, James Paul Perez, DB's Hot Takes, George Torres, Queen's Pitch CLT, Sports Addict, Amadio. A lot of questions coming in. We're going to answer those questions. Shout out to the Tifos always. And Danny Rams is going to answer my questions. Uh, My question, which is, how many players on this squad does he feel comfortable starting? 
And it's about that time of the day. It's after 3 o'clock. It's time for me to get a fresh beer. And my first of the day, as we're hanging out here in People's Market in Elizabeth, had a nice uh, chicken avocado bacon wrap for lunch here. It's doing this fantastic. For the people. And that's what the show is for. The People Charlotte Soccer Show. We're back after this. John Hayes, Danny Brams. Cheers to you, Danny. Cheers. Got us all the beer. Got the Kolsch. I just finished the Kolsch, and now I'm drinking a uh, lightning drop. One of, our, one, of, one of the beers of the season. The, uh, <laughs> the resident culture lightning drops. Go for the no fooks given. Stay for the lightning drops next time you're at resident. So uh, we're going to do some rapid-fire questions uh, in this segment. Uh, thanks again to, to all of our tremendous friends of the show who who show up always, just like they always show up to the keys and I've fill said, the fortress. I've said this a million times, but we we try to be the best podcast about Charlotte FC out there. When, when sometimes we succeed, we definitely unquestionably have the best listening crew, listeners yeah. in the entire Charlotte FC. Yeah, not even close. Yeah, not, they they just know soccer so well. Yeah, like it's exactly. it's almost like y'all yeah. make the show better. Yes, hundred percent every single time. There's, there's a couple things I need to get to quickly before we answer those questions. Number one is, I talked about the Carol Sodersky interview on Apple Plus. I really encourage everybody to go there and watch it. And I want to address one question that was asked. We talked about it, Danny Rams, in that first segment about having the balls to ask that question. I just want to very clearly say that last year, during this entire process, right, when... Miguel Angel Ramirez came out and said that publicly. There was a lot of people in the city who maybe were not as quite familiar with how soccer culture works in different areas of the world. And they took umbrage at Miguel saying that. They, they took it, a lot of people here took it personally. That as an insult. Yeah. That he was saying that his players were not good enough. But what, that, what did we tell you? How did we read that? When it happened? And, I'm here to just simply say that what Carol said in that interview was that Miguel said that publicly, and then he went into the locker room and told the guys, hey, just so you know, I don't really feel that way about you guys. I'm saying that to put pressure on the owner to buy more players. And at the time, we said that was happening. Right. It was a clear transfer window tactic that right. happens all over the world. That is that, that happened all over the world for the last thirty days. Right? Did you see? Did have you been paying attention to the transfer window? It was fucking crazy. Right. And a lot of times, managers speak out about how they want to be backed by the owner, how the squad's yeah. not good enough. And that's yep. That's exactly what Carol said. Is that hey, I'm trying to put Miguel came back and told us the players. He's trying to put pressure on the owner. And you can you can question the effectiveness of that tactic, and you can you can have a debate about whether that is. You know, gonna pay uh, a move that pays off in 2023 soccer world. But what you can't do is be like, "Oh, our coach hates our own team." We're, you know, he's a mean coach. He's bad. Like that, that, that doesn't no. fly with me. Like you got to understand what's actually happening. Yes, American sports culture might be a little different. Right. In in the NBA and in in the NFL and in college football, 
You know, if a, if a manager went out there and baseball and said, hey, we're screwed, our, our players stink, it would be a big story. It, it would be leading sports center. Right. But when a manager says that during a transfer window in global soccer, right. it's just business as usual. Right. And that's what it was here last year. Hopefully, hopefully people learned a few lessons. And by the way, and by the way, it's not MAR who's reaping the benefits of that. It's Christian Latanzio <laughs> right, right, exactly. who's reaping the benefits right. of pushing. So, sometimes you have to fall on your sword so that the next guy who comes in uh, reaps the benefits. That's that's universal across a lot of sports. So I just wanted to, to make sure that we clear that up and, and had that conversation. But make sure you go and, and watch that interview. And by the way, congrats to Eric Krakauer and, and Lloyd Sam for They're back, baby. being part of that deal. I don't know how many Charlotte FC games they're going to call. I don't know if they're going to be assigned to Charlotte FC. We'll do some digging on that. The, what, what I've heard is that they will do a lot of Charlotte games, but not all of the Charlotte games, and there will be times when they don't do Charlotte. When, when Charlotte FC is on the road, those guys will be calling a game probably more, more closer to home that features two different teams, none of which are Charlotte FC. That's, that's what I believe the plan is. Makes sense. Okay, now it's finally time for you to answer the and question. We're hearing good things about Will and Jess also, so you know, news news to come on that for sure. Oh, interesting. This is news to me as well. I'd be interested to hear what's going on with them. Congrats to them. Can't wait to hear them. And you said you said that the radio broadcast is going to be available. Yes, on you'll MLS. be able to one button flip over the radio broadcast, which I plan to do extensively. And the the fact that it'll be ultimate uh, like uh, automatically synced after, instead. Of, I had to do all these freaking gymnastics last year to try to sync up the uh, WFNZ feed with the, uh, the stream. So it's going to be a lot better this year. One more thing, and then you're going to answer the question. I keep teasing this, but I have to say that when I logged into Apple yesterday, I, I'm an Apple Plus subscriber. I've been watching For All Mankind for the last three weeks or so, and I've just been waiting for the soccer content to pop, for the MLS content to pop, and then to see it pop this week. Season pass. It was... It was really good looking. It was clean. It was fresh. It was well produced. It yes. signified the type of the type of company that Apple is. Yeah. Which is a great company that makes great products and has a lot of money to invest into this league and it's the reason why they bought the product, right? Yeah. And I think they're they're gonna have to pick up casual fans to really make money. Obviously they're gonna have to like but one thing I don't like is everyone's like uh, well, this whole package is like turn it off to the casual fan, and I'm actually kind of happy about that because what this is is Apple's gone all in on the hardcore fan, and they're hoping to convert more casuals into hardcores over the course of time, which I think is great because like this whole package like caters to like the MLS nut, it does. which you and I both became last year. Yeah, from well, Charlotte FC. yeah, I mean, I became that. You were already yeah. that. I mean, I, I was close. I was, you know, I was a seed. I was, I was, a, <laughs> I was a seed. I became a nut. Let's, let's put it that way. So it's just really clean. It looks great. And I, I don't necessarily think that Apple even is counting on making money with this project. I really don't. I think that this is, when you think about the bigger picture of sports media rights, mm -hmm. and you've thought about streaming companies compared to cable companies, broadcast companies, and how things are slowly but surely changing. This acquisition, right? You, you've seen things like Thursday Night Football on Amazon, mm -hmm. right? Right, but you know things were still, you know, you can still watch games on your antenna in your house mm -hmm. if you wanted to when it comes to NFL, right? Another another option would be NHL, right? You can watch all the NHL games on ESPN Plus if yeah. you want to, right? But they still have a broadcast deal with TNT. Right. There's a lot of games on cable. This is Apple's 
first foray for any streaming company for an American sport to say, we're kicking that door open. Yeah. And, and let's see if we can walk through it. Let's basically find out whether right. this works or not. Right. And I think if it does work for them, right. it's going to be rights a major shift across the landscape of this company. Because they got the most money. Once they figure out how to do it, watch out. Absolutely right. So, Danny Brams, you're looking at the roster. Yes. You're going to answer the question. Yes, the TFOs, I'm hoping that you all have the question as well answered at this point in the show. And that is... On this roster, how many players would you feel comfortable starting in the 11? All right. I'm going to go down alphabetically. I'm just going to name the names. We'll add them up. All right. Affle, yes. Armor, yes. Bender. Yes. <laughs> Birchimas, the rookie, I'm going to say no. Bronico, help. Bronico's undroppable. Burn, yes. Copetti, undroppable. Carujo wants his knee heels, of course. Gaines, 100%. Should... Gaines is the one that I feel should be starting but won't be, unfortunately. I love McKinsey Gaines. He scored against DC. So you're up to eight? I'm up to eight. Hager. Hager was taking corner kicks, by the way. Hager was doing set pieces when he was in. I saw some highlights. Chris Hager crushed it for the Independence and USL Championship last year. Uh, I would feel comfortable with him starting if he was the youngest player on the pitch. Let's put it that way. I'm going to add him as, as a... Eight he's nine. Go, yeah, yeah, he's go, nine. go ahead, go ahead. Derek Jones, of course. Camille Yusviak, the Bulldog, why not? Eleven. Yes. We, 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 we're already up to 11. Yeah, yeah. And Lindsay, another one. Should be playing more, but he's not. Melanda, of course. Marks, I would feel comfortable with him starting. Do, I, do we count him as number 15? This is, this is I'm not answering this <laughs> question. Right. Marks, yes. Melo, yes. Mora... I'll jog my way to a yes on that. Reyna, <laughs> not going to be there. Romero, i got to say no, despite the penalty drawn against Chelsea. Nuno Santos, of course. Shinya, of course. Pablo, of course. Sobocop, of course. Caro, the king, of course. Vargas, why not? Are we up into the 20s? We're up in the 20s. we got Ashley Westwood, of course. That's 24 is the answer. 24 guys that I would feel at least feel comfortable seeing them in a starting level. That's crazy. Yeah. That's really crazy. Yeah. And I, there's two ways to think about this, right? Is that a good thing? Or is it a lot of players who are pretty good but not really great? It's a different thing than what we had last year where this number probably would have been closer to like 12 or 13. So I'm going to say I think the number been. could have been 8 yeah, at this point Yeah, last yeah, exactly. Year. You're right. Exactly. I, I think it well, could like have Like I been. said, we were, we were putting lipstick on the pig a little bit last year out of optimism and hope and, and belief. But yeah, like when you compare Ashley Westwood to Alan Franco... As much as I love the Blue Hornet, let's let's be real here. <laughs> Over 20 players on this roster yeah. that Danny Brams has is comfortable starting. That's that's really really good for yeah. for a long season. Hopefully, for hopefully the attitudes are right. Two sure. cup com- competitions, right? Mm-hmm. And just to add one more uh, note about Carol Swiderski, King Carol. It wasn't an MLS media day, Danny Brams. It was a little bit. Before that, where Carol was talking about winning trophies. Yeah. He said, my ambi- he said, and he said in the Apple interview, of course I someday have dreams of going to play for a top club in Europe, but I'm not leaving until I win some trophies for Charlotte FC. And that was awesome to hear. There's enough depth on this squad to win a cup competition this year. There's enough depth on this squad. We're, to, in, we're in a few cup competitions, so let's win one. To let's get into to the playoffs, um, so, it's, so it's very exciting. Okay, it's time for my favorite segment of the show. 
and we're going to go in order here from most recently received Danny Brands. That means we start with Nick Youngblood, who says, what formation would you play with this team to get the most talent on the pitch at one time? I think to get the most talent on the pitch at one time is the three-man back line, is the 3-5-1-2. I think that gets you... The uh, a three-five-one-two. But then basically, you're, you're kind of trading a winger for a center back there. If I, I can't, I feel like I can't in good conscience say three-five-one-two and then also advocate for gains. I want gains in, so I'm actually going to change my answer. Excuse me. I'm going to say it's to get the most talent, 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 talent on the field. It's actually probably a four-one-two-three-one. I think that's actually what it is. It's the four-one-two-three-one. As much as I love the Brawny Jones double pivot, I think we have enough attacking talent that we could try to get away with just one of those guys playing in front of a back four, and that gets us Nuno Santos or Gaines or Shinichiki on the pitch with the attacking core. That so I'm going to say a four-one-two-three-one, which is an odd formation, but I, that's what I'm saying. No, no, I like that because basically you can in that formation get four attacking players on the right. pitch pretty easily. Exactly. And then you could potentially add and a fifth. And we're deep in that, that, that position. Yeah, you, so. can, you could add a fifth in yeah. that position as well. Okay, next question uh, comes in from JPP, James Paul Perez. He says, coming out of the January transfer window made me think the MLS does not have a lot of interleague loans. Why? Because it's just bad business with the way MLS works. I think you're just better yeah. off to either sell that player to the, the new club for uh, general allocation money, Gam and Tam and all that. Or you're more likely trying to sell the, that player to the Belgian league, or you know, like some European league, to make a little bit of scrill. I just don't think loans inside MLS just don't work with the way the roster rules are constructed. I agree, to- totally agree. TV's hot takes. He comes in. What positions would you like to see improvement with? Left back, yeah. Jog and Joe. We love you. We love you even more as a uh, commentator on the pregame show. <laughs> At George T. Photovid. Uh, George Torres, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, George. Uh, he says, I'll try again, LOL. Maybe we didn't answer his question last time. That's my bad. What's ceiling and what's the floor for the season? Ceiling. I remember answering something similar to this. but Yeah, I think I think you said ceiling is support or shield. Right? Yes. Yeah, I, would, I think the goal should be support or shield. Floor is just miss the playoffs again like yeah. we did last year. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's enough bad teams, including D.C., Montreal especially, uh, is looking to be really bad. New York City FC is looking to be pretty bad. So I don't. I think we're pretty safe from uh, wooden spoon contention. I think just missing the playoffs would be the floor, and it would be tragic. Queen's pitch, CLT. Uh, the ladies right in. What excites you guys most about the upcoming season after, quote, hearing about the preseason games? That's it. <laughs> well done, ladies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we got some reports from the... Uh, <laughs> The, the preseason game. And we, we kind of hit on this. but It's Carroll. It's yeah, Carroll's yeah, free kick. Yeah. Easy. Sports Addict, the real Matt Barbie, tweets in as well. He says, uh, based on the players we brought in, as well as second season improvements on the wing, I'm expecting a higher offensive output this season. Me too. 
Uh, for what it's worth, I'm expecting a higher offensive output and a worse defense. Right. Which is kind of making me a little bit nervous. And that's what, the season. that's what Barbie's asking. Here, Would you right? rather see a huge goal scoring improvement, but also more goals allowed, or a moderate offensive improvement with a stingy defense? You know we're anti two part questions, but we don't mind a prelude and then a question, <laughs> which is what Barbie has done yeah, here. Totally which I appreciate. Yeah, I yeah, totally too. appreciate. So I'm going to say I would rather see the huge goal scoring improvement because I go to all these games and I'd love to see goals. So if we sacri- if we give up a few more goals but score a bunch more, then I'm totally happy with that. My gut tells me stingy defense. That's what you'd rather see? Yeah. You're, you're a defense guy. Yeah. You'd love, you love to get stuck in and see a good a yeah. freaking professional tackle. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I really do. Uh, Amadio, he chimes in. He says, uh, since he's been popping off in the preseason, he is popping off, by the way, Vinny Mello. Finally got mentioned on the podcast. Vinny Mello. <laughs> love that guy, dude. Uh, Vinny, by the way, that's if you didn't recognize, if you're not a Rocky Four fan, that was sung to the tune of Hearts on Fire, by the way. And we need a lot more player-specific songs in the supporter section. I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Side um, note. Could you see Vinny Mello starting at any point this season? You know, obviously, it's, it's tough up top. There's Carol, Enzo, Shinya, Artie in queue to, to get into the lineup there. He's played a bit as an inside forward and an international. How do you International. Say Thank you, Danny Bramps. Uh, him on the right and Vargas on the left would be a problem. I'm going to ask. I'm going to introduce you, Amadio, my man, to the U.S. Open Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to feel really good about Vinny Mello starting every U.S. Open Cup game that we play because he uh, has a chance to crush in those matches, especially in the early rounds if we play some USL squads. Vinny Mello, amazing. You and I know we've got we've got the inside information from some meetings that we've had with the brass about. Uh, how much the administration like values Vinny, Vinny and keeps considers yes. him one of the best kept secrets in MLS right now. I think his time to shine truly in league play is not going to be until next year, but I think he's going to star in the U.S. Open Cup this year. What I want to say when it comes to Vinny Mello, Danny Brams, is expect the unexpected. <laughs> All right, Julie Chen, thank you very much. And I think it's so easy to sit here right now and say... Carol Swiderski, Enzo Capetti, mm-hmm. Andre Shinyashiki, Kerwin Vargas, Camille Yuzviak. It's really tough for somebody to break into that lineup. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Here's the key, and this is my favorite thing about soccer, right? When you get the opportunity, if you create assists and you score goals, the manager can't afford to leave you out. Right. So By it, the com- way, it just comes down to performance. Vinny Mello assist on the Kerwin Vargas equalizer against DC in that in that uh, friendly last year, yesterday for real. So. It, it's it's just about performance. So I saw this earlier. This isn't one of our official questions, but everyone calls uh, Edson Capetti. His nickname is the Tank El Tanque, El Tanque. Uh, in, if you speak in South American, and he, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he's he's the Tank. He's he's just a big freaking physical specimen that goes in there and scores goals. Well, Vinny Mello's nickname is El Tenquecito, which oh. is the little tank because wow. he's like, he's basically like exactly like Capetti, but just younger and less experienced. So I think we got a good thing going there up top for sure. Vinny Mello, I would expect, here's what I will say. Don't be surprised if Vinny Mello is the first substitute striker off the bench, even ahead of Shin Shiki, which is crazy to think. But I, there's going to be games where you're like, oh, we need, we need another extra attacking sub. And you're thinking Shinya's going to come in, and it's Vinny Mello instead. Thank you so much for your questions. Always a pleasure answering them here on the show. Uh, and Danny Brands, when we're back next week, it's going to be two weeks until match week. 
And then the week after that, one week until match week, and that's finally going to be here. We're going to be down in Charleston. We'll do an episode um, next week before we head down to Charleston. We'll do an episode as well after that match to, to review what we saw. And then Let me ask you a question. I got, we got one more question that came in after we started doing the question segment. Okay, hit me this with it. This is a real time. I'm going to bounce this back at you. This is from Bridget McCall, NC Tiger Girl. With Kalina's injury, what are the positives and negatives of Pablo and George? What do you think the chances are of George's getting his MLS starting debut? The positives for Pablo are the fact that he has length and he has experience. He's been a starting keeper before in MLS. The negatives for Pablo, there is none. Is that he lost the job? I don't know. Is that he lost the job as a starting keeper before? I don't don't, don't know. The positives for George Marks is that he is unbelievably twitchy. What does that mean? His reflexes are unbelievably good. The negative for George Marks, I don't like his size, and he's very inexperienced. You nailed it. I know we are, we know we know from offline conversations that Bridget wants George Marks to start, so that's the bias in her asking that question. Uh, uh, you know, he did a really nice thing for her and her daughter at Christmas, so uh, I do think it's going to be popular. Having said that. I think that's it's a good opportunity to say that when you get drafted out of college into the MLS, it's very difficult to, to earn a spot in a starting 11 because it's not the best pathway to MLS. Bender, even though Bender was pretty much phased out by the end of the season, his early season minutes last year were an anomaly in Major League Soccer, for sure. This is Charlotte Soccer Show. I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. You can follow me on Twitter at John Hayes on Air. You can follow Danny Brams as well at Danny Brams and follow the show at For the Crown. Baby, we've got a bunch of content coming up for you in the next couple weeks and in the next six to ten months, my friend. We're not going anywhere. Big things are brewing. Uh, maybe we'll have an announcement to make next show. I don't know. Who knows? We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, until next time, as always, For the Crown, baby. <laughs> <laughs>